Hello, and welcome to Human Rights Magazine. I'm Derek McCush, editor of the Upstream Journal. This episode, prepared by Jessica Charik, examines the possibilities that lithium extraction holds for people in poverty in Bolivia. The country has one of the highest rates of poverty in Latin America, and people in rural regions suffer the most. Can lithium extraction provide relief from that poverty? Jessica spoke with several people to find out, and she wrote the article in the Upstream Journal that accompanies this podcast. My name is Jessica Sherak. Let's start with the basics. Where is lithium in your life? This light metal is all around you. Odds are it's essential to your day-to-day. It's in your cell phone, your computer, and your power tools. In fact, lithium will increasingly become a subject of conversation. It's especially valuable because lithium-ion batteries are one of the most efficient methods of renewable energy storage. Governments are tightening emission standards, requiring consumers to buy into the electric vehicle market more and more. But to get to that stage, any lithium resource needs to be processed into a purer form of lithium carbonate. Bolivia is home to the largest salt flat in the world, called the Salar de Uni. Under this salt flat lies a massive brine deposit, with even conservative geological estimates maintaining the Uni sits on 9 million tons of lithium. Before now, Bolivia has never tried to extract this resource. But first, some historical context. For hundreds of years, colonial powers and foreign corporations have ravaged Bolivia and fed the global economy with its natural resources. Ironically, this legacy began with Spanish settlement in Potosí, home to the Silver Mountain that enriched 16th century Europe. Multinationals have since exported zinc, tin, and natural gas, leaving Bolivia with little infrastructure and as one of the poorer states in Latin America. Flashback to 2007. In this year, Fructas, the regional federation of peasant workers of the South Atiplanto, approached Ivo Morales, Bolivia's first indigenous president. Fructas proposed that President Morales and his movement towards socialism party finance lithium development in the Salar de Uni, Potosí. Fructas wanted the entire lithium development project to be state-run so Potosí could benefit directly from lithium extraction. The Bolivian state contracted out steps of lithium development requiring high levels of technical expertise. For example, they contacted Corez, a Korean resource company, to help implement more efficient processing techniques. I spoke to Dr. Tam Tran, who is a professor at Chonam National University in Guangzhou, South Korea. Tran worked on this project in 2012 with Korea Resources and his university when the team brought a brine sample from the Salar de Uni to Chonam National University in South Korea. Uh, to get lithium, you have to take the brine in, whether it's salar brine or, or you know, brine from the sea, and then you have to evaporate. Uh, sometimes you have to have evaporate, you know, 40, 50 times at least, you know, to concentrate the lithium. Uh, but if you have a lot of calcium, a lot of magnesium, then these elements, these metals will then precipitate first, you know, come out as a solid. And if you have salt, salt sodium chloride salt, you know, that, that table salt we, uh, we use in food, uh, they, uh, they, that, that salt comes out as well. So, and these will drag the lithium down with, with them. And basically, that means the recovery of lithium, you know, will drop to about 45, 50%, I think, because of the, what we call cold precipitation onto, you know, magnesium, calcium, and sodium chloride salt. Um, so, when, yeah, so it, uh, mainly on the technical uh, merit, we should 
remove calcium and then magnesium is is a byproduct uh, and with that uh, you know we can we can recover the lithium uh, more efficiently and that's that's the basis for the research um, normally when you crystallize these you can actually just filter off you know filter it like you filter the coffee for example uh, and then get the solids alone but then that solid if you 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 want to process that to either high purity materials like what we're trying to aim for you know in our in our research then you have to use a lot of um, fresh water to wash yes for sure Dr. Tran worked successfully on the technical side of the project between Chonam National University and Cores. He found an efficient method to precipitate lithium carbonate, but the commercial aspect fell short. You know, when the, by the time you convert uh, what we have found in the lab to the to the commercial practice, it's a different story. I know Korea was interested in it at the beginning to develop those resources, but then they. Um, pull out at the end. I, I haven't I've been involved in that uh, directly, but I heard uh, negotiation between Corus and and the government of Bolivia. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that the Bolivian government um, uh, officials have been invited to come to Korea, you know, a few times. Uh, you know, actually at CNU we did train, we did uh, provide a few training sessions for engineers from Bolivia at the stage when the project was very active. You know, to train them in different uh, processing techniques and so on. After that. Um, the story I heard was uh, it's not easy to go through the regulations and, and the you know, political system. So you know, that's when the projects uh, stopped and, and not expanded. Yeah. People speculate negotiations between the Bolivian government and Corres fell apart for several reasons. One was due to the concern over water resources in the Salar de Uni. Another concern was Bolivia's poor infrastructure couldn't support the scale of a project. And of course, there was tension between the Bolivian government waiting to contract out development help and international enterprises wanting to create partnerships and gain equity in the Bolivian lithium. Anyways, the Bolivian government refers to such failed collaborations as part of their strategic research council. When this project was first suggested by Fructas, the peasant organization in Potosí, the hope was lithium development would empower Bolivia that the state could develop lithium reserves independent of international investment, and the project would be 100% state-owned, with Bolivia commissioning technical know-how from abroad. I asked about how these ideals have shifted with Pablo Podeva and Adriana from Sidla, a labor and agrarian development nonprofit in La Pez, Bolivia. Pablo is a researcher in extractive industries, and Adriana is a colleague of his who translated and answered many of my questions. I asked how lithium development deviates from Bolivia's history of the natural resource curse. Lithium, it's just it's like the same old story, that this time the government was planning to, since, uh, you know, brine lithium technology is considered to be not so complicated as, like, for instance, hard rock mining or something like that. So the government had all these uh, drastic plans to, to exploit lithium by itself, right? From pumping brine, you know, to these ponds, and mm-hmm. then um, uh, obtaining uh, lithium carbonate, and afterwards, this is the raw material. Then using this in uh, to continue with the second phase, like pilot plants, after industrial mm-hmm. plants, and afterwards, the third phase of the plan uh, is to fabricate to manufacture batteries. One thing we have to point out is that the first two phases were, I mean, phase one like pilot plants, and second phase industrial plants. They were, well, the 
government promotes that as like 100% state-run projects, you know. But the third phase, um, um, they contemplate um, an alliance with uh, companies, of course, because uh, manufacturing cathodes and batteries is a whole different level. So, world demand for lithium carbonate offers enormous potential for Bolivia. The country pledged to fully finance the first two stages of development and leverage this resource in a way that benefits Bolivians, the legal owners of the Salar de Uni brine. Eventually, Bolivia hoped to be able to export value-added goods like cathodes and batteries. This would give them more control in the global market, as well as usher in infrastructural and economic development necessary to produce such technological goods. Bolivia's neighbors, Chile and Argentina, also have large salt flats with lithium brine deposits. In fact, this area, high in the South American Andes, has been dubbed the Lithium Triangle. Chile and Argentina have been exporting lithium carbonate for years and rely on international investors for help. Together, they produce more than 50% of the world's lithium carbonate. Before we go further, it's important to note the lithium development venture was supposed to be part of Morales' integral development plan. This plan was part of a larger decolonial framework called Vivir Bien that gives Bolivians sovereignty over their natural resources. By extension, this should prioritize Bolivian voices over those of the international investment community. Indigenous peasant communities living near the Salar de Uni, high in the Altiplanto, were to have a say in planning and project development. Quinoa farmers, salt flat workers, and the tourism industry would have their needs listened to. Just mere words, because, um, I mean, uh, there, there is a pr- part of um, his research that says that uh, Frutka, back in 2007, they posed mm-hmm. to the government the importance of having this um, uh, 100 presents a state-run company in charge of this project, right? But uh, right now, the government is, is not socializing this um, the, the project. I mean, they, they do have this accountability things and, and they disclose information and all of that, but they are not um, engaging these um, peasant organizations or communities in the deep, you know, they just do okay. it and they publish their results or whatever they have. They are isolated somehow. Even the university could have contributed to this, and that's what Pablo says. It's one of, I mean, a very important thing. They're doing this by, by themselves. They're not integrating other parties. Could have some valuable things to say, whether technologically or I, I don't know, in terms of what could be beneficial to the community. The 2009 Constitution enshrines the sovereignty of all natural resources, saying they belong to the Bolivian people. But for the past decade, lithium development in the Salar de Uni has been a top-down project. Local economies will be quashed in favor of precipitating lithium carbonate. For example, industrializing lithium production would create direct competition for freshwater resources between quinoa farmers and evaporative pools. Whereas more conversations between lithium developers and local communities could create a network of resource sharing, what the zone is facing now is a zero-sum choice. I spoke with the mayor of the nearby city of Iuni, Patricio Mendoza. He said his contact with the central government has changed drastically during the course of this project. While they used to have frequent communication with the central government, over the years his city has lost this privilege. Now, Senor Mendoza says... 
They typically hear news from state television or other media outlets. The thing is that uh, the project is delayed. Like all of the the goals they projected for 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 these times, they haven't managed to meet them to meet these goals. Um, for instance, they have to produce like more than 400 tons of uh, lithium carbonate. Uh, for the first phase, and right now they have only produced 24. You have battery quality, industrial quality, and they have only managed to produce industrial quality, no battery. So that's the problem. Mostly like wishful thinking that many things that have not been met and have been disguised in the media, you know, they conceal these shortcomings of theirs. The royalties they are to receive is 3%. Of a gross sales value, and then there's this plan. Like, since we are owners of these resources, uh, that we should receive. I mean, the, um, specifically, Potosi should receive 40%. There's a bill that contemplates this, but it has not been passed yet. And it it, it seems unlikely that this will prosper because um, there's like friction. There's friction between you know the Bolivian government and. Um, central governments, and Potosi specifically, that is the department where the UNISOL flats are. There is this uh, the civic committee of Potosi, some people, mm-hmm. and uh, they were not protesting, well, not exactly protesting, but they're, they're not happy with what the government has done because uh, Potosi is like one of the, is a very rich department, I mean, rich natural resources, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't receive much. It's actually very impoverished, although it, it has a really significant contribution to the um, national GDP. You know, so they they have a strong presence. There's tension between the central government and the Department of Potosi over anticipated royalties. Concipo, the civic committee of Potosi, is the main local opposition. I asked if there were any political alternatives to Evo Morales's mass government on a national scale. Well, unfortunately, um, opposition here, you know, the parties opposing MAS and Morales, they are not very strong right now, okay. and okay. they don't have much credibility because they are like the old politicians that Morales' administration <laughs> is, is fighting. <laughs> of course, they criticize the project, but um, it's, some, it's more political. In October 2017, a court ruled Evo Morales eligible to run for a fourth term as president, though the Bolivian constitution restricts presidents to two terms. Morales decided to sue for a fourth term, despite a 2016 referendum where Bolivian citizens upheld the constitutional restriction of two terms. Morales is currently in his third term. He already bypassed this limit by arguing his first term predated his own 2009 constitution. In December 2017, YLB, the state branch in charge of lithium development, asked foreign investors to help industrialize the resource. These investors would get a 49% ownership stake in the expansion they facilitate. The initial plan was for lithium development to be 100% state-owned until the third stage of manufacturing batteries and cathodes. Now foreign investment is needed to help complete the first stage. Raul Prada Alcoreza is a Bolivian academic who helped develop the indigenous-centered ideology of Vivir Bien. He is against Evo Morales and the mass government's lithium development agenda because they fail to integrate local and indigenous opinion. The following are excerpts from his paper, Extractive Colonialism and Dependence on Lithium. 
After Bolivia's long history of resource extractivism, with lithium, we are witnessing the imposition of a government who doesn't consult anyone, not the Bolivian people, the nominal owners of these natural resources, nor indigenous people, who, as mandated by the Bolivian constitution, should have a say in this extraction, nor anyone else affected by the destructive extractivism of these ecosystems. It's again another stage of looting in what seems will be the long, desolate cycle of lithium. Above all, the exploitation of lithium affects neighboring communities, specifically with regard to water consumption. The communities located in the surroundings of the Salar de Uni are agricultural. They primarily grow quinoa. If waste from precipitating lithium brine is filtered and reaches the aquifers through leaching, nearby drinking water reserves would be contaminated, making it unsuitable for domestic consumption as well as agriculture and livestock. The exploitation of lithium is done by evaporation pools, which will require a large amount of water. This also reduces water reserves for these communities and will threaten their agrarian livelihoods. Lo que también disminuye las reservas del agua para el consumo doméstico, la agricultura y la ganadería. The developmental discourse on lithium reflects a colonial mentality. For example, lithium is spoken of figuratively as white oil, which calls to mind the geopolitical history of oil, or as it was referred to, black gold. Lithium is spoken of as white gold in juxtaposition to this black gold. This essentially preserves the role of mineral-rich economies as assigned to the peripheries of the world extractivist system. In the dreams of some, Bolivia will be the Dubai of 2050, but this future projection is nothing more than that of a rentier economy, of an economy who benefits from the high oil prices when the world needs to obtain large reserves of fossil energy. The same scenario is what some envision for Bolivia's lithium. With YLB now inviting in foreign investment, the Bolivian government must ensure environmental and community protection laws are strong enough to include local Bolivians in the decision-making process. Bolivians are counting on the government to hold foreign investors more strictly to structures like the Constitution and Vivir Bien than when the state ran the lithium development alone. This project was realized with the help of so many people. I'd like to take a minute to thank them and to say that any mistakes are my own. Firstly, a big thank you to Dr. Tam Tran, professor at Chungam National University, who we heard at the top of this episode. A huge thanks to Pablo Poreva and Adriana from Sidla, who spoke to me about their work on Bolivia's extractive industries and put me in contact with municipal politicians in the department of Potosí. Thanks to Raul Prada Alcareza, the Bolivian academic who calls out the mass government on their ornamental policies and the actions they failed to take with lithium development. A massive thanks to Luce Angeron, who read Alcarez's work and translated interviews with the politicians from Potosi, Bolivia. Also credits to Circus Marcus, the artist who made the track Gallimus that bookended this podcast, and thanks to Creative Commons for making that available to us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Human Rights Magazine. The podcast is brought to you by the Upstream Journal. 
I invite you to consider supporting the program and the magazine with a contribution through PayPal as you explore other episodes.